Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Obsessed or Possessed, an accountability writing project run by two writers with big projects and even bigger procrastination issues. As always, I am your host, TJ, and joining me today is the ever effervescent. Effervescent? Is that even a positive adjective? Effervescent? It's a very positive adjective that I don't think anybody would associate with me. Effervescent is very shiny and bright, right? It's bubbly, like uh, Glinda from Wicked. Oh, the very un-effervescent. Um, Anna, say hi, Anna. Thank you for that vocabulary lesson. Hi. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, especially this week, I don't think I'm very bright and bubbly, which makes what, like, pretty much the last three recordings we've done. I feel like at the end of the last one, the jarringly disjointed one, I feel like we were bubbly in the last part because when we first recorded it, it was, we were very positive about life. Yeah, we had just entered the new year. Things were looking good. We had all of the optimism and then, you know, life. the days kept dragging on. <laughs> yeah. As Smash Mouth said, the years keep coming and they don't stop coming. Oh shit, that's um, All-Star, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 2022 got me like, honestly, actually, no, I complain. And I feel like I'm always tired. And I feel like I probably say this every episode. But I mean, it, like, it, life could be worse. True. But hey, quick question. Mm. TJ, have you been obsessed or possessed this week? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm going to preface this. Um, Ooh, we actually, know how that okay. No, actually, no, to be fair, I, I have been obsessed, but I've also been a little bit possessed. Not possessed in the way that you're, everyone, anyone who's listening probably wants me to have been, but I have been possessed, but I'll probably talk about that one a bit more at the end when we get to the actual word count. Um, But yeah, no, I have been possessed. I spent quite a lot of um the weekend writing, actually, so... I'll leave that deliberately vague. Um, but no, I have been possessed. I have actually written things. <laughs> I have written stuff. Um, but I've also been... Obs have I mixed up my adjectives again? I've been possessed and I've also been obsessed. Yeah, I have discovered... Me and my partner have discovered this anime called... Kot oh, I'm going to absolutely butcher the Japanese pronunciation. Kotaro lives alone and... It is so cute, but it also makes me cry. It's about this little boy in Japan, and he lives on his own in an apartment, and he just goes around this apartment block and just makes everyone's life wonderful. But he, like, talks, like, really funny because he tries to speak like an ancient samurai that he watches on TV, and he, like, talks, like, really um, archaically. Like, all right, I'm... I don't usually say this, and I am a bit of a purist. Like, usually we should watch anime in the original... Japanese language with subtitles but the English dub of this oh my gosh his voice is so cute that I would recommend even if you continue watching it with Japanese um, audio and English subtitles um, just listen to the English dub because it's very very cute um, but I've been obsessed with that for like the last couple of days um, and I went to see Death on the Nile actually how was that? Honestly, I actually really, really liked it. It had a very good cast. I, okay, I was impressed with some of the cast, 
but I saw the trailer and went, mm, I think I might pass on this one. I, okay, so I only went to see it because I wanted to see the Batman. Well, I wanted to go to the cinema, I wanted to see the Batman, but um, I don't like going to cinemas when it's full of people, especially mm. on a Saturday night, because, yeah. So we ended up going to see Death on the Nile because um, you can, when you book tickets in my cinema, you can see how many people have booked and what seats are taken and you can choose your seat and stuff like that. And it was basically empty because I think it's nearing the end of its theatrical run. Um, so we were just like, oh, we'll go see that because obviously it's got Gal Gadot in it. It's got um, Army Hammer, mm, questionable, but um, <laughs> for varying reasons, which we shan't go into. Um, it's got oh what's her name something i think her name's like something mackie she's a british actress and she's one of the dead ringers for margot robbie you know what i mean oh, one um, of... she's the one who's in sex education sex education she? her name's emma mackie yeah she's one of the margot robbie clones yeah it, it's her jamie presley margot robbie uh there's another one isn't there there is jamie presley margot robbie there's emma mackie Oh, there's the one that was in, um, oh, The Politician, Ryan Murphy's The Politician. Hang on. She also looks like them. She's, uh, what's her name? She's beautiful. They're all beautiful. Lucy Boynton as well is another, is another Margot Robbie clone. Um, but yeah. Um, it's you know like Katy Perry though. There's like the Katy Perry clones with Zoe Deschanel, um, Emily Blunt. Is it Emily Blunt and a bunch of? There's an actress that was in the British Skins as well. Um, just clones, well, really. There was that theory alongside the whole um, six degrees of separation to Kevin Bacon. There's another one that says that like there's a set number of people. I can't remember how many. If it is six, it would be what a coincidence that have your exact same face. Not exact same, but like they share your features Seven. to like a creepy extent. Well, that would make sense, and I suppose because they are all obviously very beautiful. Um, that's probably why they've got a head in Hollywood, because how does one get a head in Hollywood? Either they be give head pretty. or they are pretty. Well, be or pretty both. with famous parents. Yes. Uh, well, well, we'll just get them over what I said before. But yes, being pretty and having famous presence. Honestly, even just having famous pre presence. Ugh. Even just having famous parents there we go but i did watch it i did really enjoy it um i thought it was visually beautiful but i am a sucker for anything that's kind of set in egypt um the i, I right don't laugh at me for this but my favorite childhood film i say childhood like age of nine is the mummy returns like i'm obsessed with that film it is iconic. No one can tell me differently. There was on Facebook, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, I think this group was removed from Facebook, and I don't know why, because I was a member of it, and it made me so happy. It was called, like, Memoteps, The Mummy Memes, and it was just all full of, like, these people that were obsessed with The Mummy 1 and The Mummy 2. And basically, it just became a massive group stanning Brendan Fraser, which we all should do, because Brendan Fraser is an absolute icon, a wonderful human being, and I love him. Just that. But, um, yeah, I don't know why that was removed from Facebook. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, definitely now, it was good. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a good way to spend two hours. Um, I didn't walk out of it regretting it. It is one of those films that I probably wouldn't have watched, like, you know, if it was just on, like, Disney Plus or something. Like, 
it was definitely a film that I was only really going to watch in the cinema, but I enjoyed it. The acting was good. I knew the story anyway, but I think they changed some parts. Um, so it wasn't like groundbreaker or anything, but there were good performances. Um, Don, um, French and Saunders were in it, which was always nice. So yeah, yeah it was, it was good. I'd highly recommend it. Um, have no regrets. Oh, and I've been reading as well, which is the first time in a while. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Um, sorry, this is just me talking about films now. Anna, how have you been? Uh, obsessed or possessed? Um, huh. I suppose I'll I'll lean towards a healthy possession. Okay, this is good. Explain. Uh, okay. Well, what is a healthy possession? Well, it, it's more that I've I've been disciplined with my my writing. I'm not trying to force. Okay, I, I'll admit I'll take a step back, and you know, admit that how I started at this podcast of like trying to rush through getting this book done mm. was probably not the best thing. Not just for the book, but also for me. I I burned myself out, and to be honest, mm -hmm. it took me a bit of a while to recover from. Because it's not just the book, because, you know, life and all that. There, there's other stuff that's been going on. And I think I put myself under an insane amount of pressure. And I wasn't feeling that great. Mm. I'm starting to feel a little bit better now. So I'm trying to keep it reined in. So there have been some changes with how I've approached writing this book. And since I've done that, I feel a lot better about it. I'm liking it again. Um I'm also realizing that I've made a lot of mistakes when trying to rush it because <laughs> there will become a time manifesting now, just bear with me. Uh, there will come a time that I will be profiting off of these books and Amen. finishing a book a year will be in my best interest because, you know, I'll be one of those. However, you are definitely going to be one of those and it's going to drive me insane. <laughs> Like right next to James Patterson, every time there's a new release, we'll be like racing each other to the new ones. But no, um, I am not there yet. Right now, I should be focusing on quality. And this is a story that I very much like. So trying to rush it just for it, the sake of it being done is not doing it justice. And I, I really should not have done that. It was fun while it lasted. It was interesting to see how many chapters I could get done at mm. any given time and trying to mount the word count. However, that, that, that approach didn't work for me. There was a lot of what I was doing before that wasn't working for me. So mm. I, I was describing to you before how um, usually my technique is I, I'm a pen to paper kind of girl, mm. but this time in an effort to not, I, okay, I have to say it, rush it. Yes, I was trying to rush it. I was trying to type directly mm. onto my computer and I feel like a lot was missing. So since I've dialed away from that, I haven't been working on my computer. So I don't know what my word count is. Just I'm going to admit that right now. Um, but. Yes. But there is a positive outcome at the end of it. So stay tuned. Um, but yes, the healthy possession is that uh, in, since today's topic is going to be writing advice, I finally mm -hmm. taken some of that advice and done the whole write a little bit per day. So in my, my daily routine, I've carved out times of the week to go to the gym. And what I do is 
when I am mentally preparing myself for the gym or relaxing. Right afterwards, I sit in that little cafe with my mountains of paper. I am so sorry to all of these trees. However, you died for a very good cause. I appreciate your sacrifice. I am surrounded by all of these. People laugh when they pass by and drop off my coffee, but uh, th that's what I do now. So I have been working on this and I haven't actually had any obsessions lately. Actually, it's been a while since I've had an obsession. I kind of miss- what has happened. We might just have to rename the podcast to TJ's Obsessions and Anna's Possessions. That's a mouthful. We can, it can keep, uh, abbreviated, it would be obsessed. TJ's, TJ's Obsessed and Anna's Possessed. And abbreviated, it would be? Obsessed or possessed. Obsessed yeah. and possessed. To go back to it. No, I think it's quite interesting that you've um, gone back to pen to paper through, obviously, technical um, necessity. Because, um, just spoiler alert, Anna, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Anna has actually written quite a bit. So evidently it seems to work for you. It does. It changes so much. Like, um, you've, you now have seen a couple <laughs> I have of seen chapters. the evidence. Mm. Oh, sorry, I missed stuff. But yes, I've read a couple of the chapters. The app. Oh my gosh, why can't I speak? I've read, I've read a couple of the chapters and I've also seen the physical evidence of Anna's writing as well. She showed. Yeah, but it's, that that's a big change from last time. I don't believe last time we recorded that you'd actually seen anything. I'd read some of it, hadn't I? I, I can't remember, because again, the whole recording schedule has gone very, very strange. Hey, Wyatt, we're been. literally just trying to get back onto the swing of things now. Uh, but yes, okay, so um, there's this character that I don't think you had read or even read about at the time mm -hmm. that has he, not necessarily become a main character, but he's definitely become a bigger part. And... Uh, he, he's an interesting example of what happens when you rush things because I was giving him too much of a benefit of the doubts when the reality is the guy's a fucking moron and I really should have treated him as such. <laughs> Morons are the best characters. He he suddenly became more fun to write because there was a time that he, he was just... I, 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 I think I treated him as filler, but now I'm like, oh, actually... If I, Isn't it I, great when that happens? Yeah. But because of him as well, the, the chapter count has gone up. Because now I don't go by word count. I'm going by finished chapters. <laughs> Anna, you're going to turn into me by the next thing you know. It's just going to keep going up. Maybe I'll be at 130,000 words. Oh, I have no idea. All I know is that from where I was when we... okay we spoke i admitted that i had deleted a whole lot of that i know we will glance over that considering you seem to have made up for it so i won't i have it's, you. it's the fantastic thing when people ask for updates because apparently people care so they ask for how updates dare they I, yeah and i have to you know bold-faced admit hey it doesn't exist anymore i deleted that <laughs> And the reaction I get from people like, you have a saved copy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, sure. And I know for a fact that, well, I know you well enough to know that, no, you are much too impulsive for that. 
it felt really good at the time that I deleted it. And then you wake up, well, at least I woke up the next morning and went, mm-hmm. oh. that happened. It was a decision. It was choices. Um, see, this is where me and you differ because I literally do not delete or throw away anything. I have like a little pile of papers. Where is my pile? Of... Anyway, it drives my partner insane. But I will just, I have like random pieces of paper, even like something where I've doodled down an idea when I'm like teaching in class. And like, I just have them everywhere. I do not throw things away, which I don't know, it's probably also counterproductive. My problem is... be like a happy medium. Yeah. I feel like my problem is, if I know that the stuff exists, I'll probably take the easy way out and try to save it. When the point mm. isn't to save it, it's to fix it, it has to start from zero. I got you. And, well, evidently it's worked for you. Yeah. So, let me get this straight. No obsessions. <sighs> You've been cooking a lot. I have it. Yes, I have experimented with that as well. I've been posting a lot more of my cooking, which has got some interesting reactions. <laughs> uh, what is cooking like? Your relax? Do, do you cook to relax? Do you enjoy cooking? I I do. I do cook to relax. Like today, just before we started recording, I, I asked us to delay by a few minutes because I needed to. Uh, put the the cinnamon rolls for their second proof because like it's it was 9 p.m when i started my older Mm. sister who i live with was preparing for bed sees me measuring out flour and goes what why just why like i don't know how to explain but well no i do know how to explain it but i hope that it makes sense uh working with things like dough especially tethers me so when i feel like my brain is floating beyond where i can like easily pull myself back because right now i'm feeling very out of my body and out of control Mm. and i don't like it and instead of just sitting here and crying about all the stuff that i can't do or that isn't working i can go into the kitchen measure out a bunch of ingredients and then come up with something beautiful and then it makes me feel like, okay, I'm still here. That's interesting. For me, I do that with like going to the gym. Like I quite enjoy going to the gym. If you haven't seen my face or my body, guys, I'm not that hench. Don't don't imagine me as like some Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of guy. It's not that way. But I just generally do quite enjoy the gym. Generally, but it, is, it is a thing about control, control, isn't it? That yeah. you're able to control your body in that moment. No, exactly. And plus, I just generally quite like endorphins. Um, um, But yeah, as of this week, though, today's, 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 this week's, this month's, whatever, this episode, there we go, that's the right noun, this episode is related to advice, right, Anna? Yes. Uh, So we're going through a list of commonly given advice for writing a book uh we'll give our honest reactions to this i don't we didn't look too hard at them so i think it's going to be our honest reaction so warning there's going to be a lot of swearing and full disclosure we got this from an article on the guardian the guardian.com which was released in 2010 we'll probably put a link for it somewhere on our instagram and it was written by 
Elmore Leonard, and I think it is advice that's taken from Elmore Leonard's book, Ten Rules of Writing, which was published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson. So if we absolutely rip it apart and swear a lot, Elmore Leonard, please don't be that offended. But if we disagree with you, we disagree with you. You never know, though. Maybe we'll agree with you. I've already looked through some of them, and there's a lot that I disagree with, so yeah. sorry. All right, so starting off with some of this writing advice listed in the, the article that, again, you say you're going to link somewhere, but if anybody wants to follow along, but otherwise you could just listen to us rant about it. So, And believe me, we will rant. Yeah. Okay, number one, I don't mind so much, which is don't open with the weather. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. That makes sense, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know why my voice went really high-pitched then. Um, I don't know. I feel like I should disagree with it, but then I'm trying to think about all of my stuff and i'm like do i ever open them with the weather i suppose like oh it was a sunny day it was a rainy day oh i don't know actually i i suppose uh, i think my style is very much um start inwards with character and then branch out to what's around them so i would start with the person before i describe this motherfucker this bitch man it's fine uh again it adds character i feel like my writing style is very much um, inward, like work outwards from the character. So it wouldn't make sense for me to start with the weather to get to the character and then describe the rooms. It would very much be like, here's the person, what they're doing slash what they're feeling to the room and then weather outside if it is relevant. But that's just me. No, I get you actually. Um... I think it probably is quite sound advice. It's just, you know what I'm like about advice. I'm trying to think back to my own things, and I feel like, I, 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 okay, I don't think it's bad advice. I mean, because I suppose just describing the weather, unless it's like specifically important, like it's a book about a fucking tornado or something, it's probably not the most, like it's not really going to grab you like, oh, it was raining. Well, okay, it rains mm -hmm. here like every fucking day. Unless it was, like, for a specific purpose. Like, it was raining on the day we all attended Lady Valentine's funeral. But Actually, then... the only example that I can think of is from the Weather Girl song, It's Raining Men, because then it makes perfect sense. Barometer's you know, getting low. rising, barometer's getting low. According to all sources, oh, the street's the place to go. Because tonight for the first time. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I think it's sound advice. Um, weather, I'm trying to describe whether or not I ever really described the weather. Um, in the Hotel California, probably not, but I'm writing perpetually in summer and I just feel like it's always going to be sunny there. And if it's not, then I'll mention it. But I have no interest in rain, so. Also, California, not. especially Southern California, almost always has a drought. Exactly, so there ain't going to be rain there. Yeah, okay, so moving on, next one. Avoid oh, okay. prologues. Fuck. Um, I've already fucked no. this one. Oh, I fucked this one up. All of my stories have prologues. Well, actually, no, except for the... Okay, I'll get to that at the end. But no, I like prologues. Like, I like prologues. I like the, I like the purpose that they serve. I like the exposition. 
No, I'm a, I'm a huge defender of Clorox. Fuck this guy. Yeah, it's an idiot's guide does have a little bit of a prologue. Uh, yeah, it has that. Um, Liam hadn't meant to join the twenty-seven. Club. Yeah, That's... he hadn't meant to join the twenty-seven club. Yes. Uh, yeah, that that bit. I th- that for me, there was no other way to start that story because I loved that line so much. I was mm-hmm. originally going to start to this one with a a prologue, but I moved it. Oh, uh, okay. How? Yeah, no, I, I can't. Especially now that it's changed format, a prologue would not make sense. Mm. No, I get you. I suppose with the type of story, because it's told in acts, right? Like it doesn't really lend itself to the prologue format. No, unless I did, because I'm already leaning very heavily on Shakespeare references anyway, because again, theater. I suppose the advice does make sense in that you're supposed to start with the action, right? That's what Mm. a whole lot of. It's not officially on this list, but Mm. the common. I suppose the most common bit of advice that I've seen when it comes to writing novels is start with the action or start right at the main event. But mm. I'm still of the opinion that like sometimes the main event doesn't make sense if you don't have the context. Like, context makes the world spin round. Yeah. Guide, if I started with the guy trying to get himself thrown into witness protection, you wouldn't really understand why would somebody want to do that? Exactly. Like, like what's his motivation? Yeah. So... What- Interestingly, yeah. I actually did go and um, research, um, what's his name, Elmore Leonard. He is dead, um, sadly, uh, but he is primarily a, he wrote westerns and crime fiction and suspense thrillers. So we'll just put that into context here. Yeah, um, those are none of our genres, so yeah. we're allowed to be different. Also... I like the fact that we are commenting on writing advice, considering you and I are both very different types of writers. Mm. And hopefully we're being listened to by other types of writers. So these common bits of advice, I suppose putting them in a list like this and having them published on something as you know prestigious as The Guardian, mm-hmm. it might be more hurtful than, heart- than helpful. Yeah. I don't feel like a lot of these apply or really work with the way that I write. But that doesn't, well, I, I'm going to defend my own writing, of course. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, exactly. I mean, actually, it's interesting when we get to the next one. Yes. Because um, I have mixed feelings about this. Like, I, well, I do, you wanna, do you want to introduce it? Sure. Um, use nothing other than said for dialogue. I I don't agree. No, exactly. I feel like this is like I feel like I get what he's trying to say, but no. Like is he just writing dialogue or is he writing a fucking novel? Ironically, this guy did actually also write scripts, but no. We'll notice that one thing that changed from Modern Penny Dreadfuls to An Idiot's Guide is I did do this a lot less. There was a time that I was, it almost looked like I was avoiding the word said Mm. uh, in order to be as descriptive as possible in a very short amount of time because um, a lot of my short stories were very dialogue heavy. Even now, a lot of my writing- This is very true. Very dialogue heavy. Um, You're you're very much a dialogue um, 
kind of writer, which I suppose is kind of opposing to me because I feel like maybe I don't use said a whole lot anyway, but I write a shit ton amount of like exposition describing the general area. Think like unrice, but less. We, we will get to that. That's on the list. Oh, yeah. But this true. one is also related to number four, which is no adverbs to modify said. And I, again, disagree. I like adverbs. Adverbs are like my favorite kind of verbs. Well, they are, but it's just the, if we're just sticking to said, like we're not supposed to use anything other than said, no, oh, she guffawed, he gasped, or whatever, then we're, we're also not allowed to modify said. That, that gets so. So we're not allowed to be like, he's said surprise. I'm mixing up adverbs, but he said in shock. Got no adverbials, like it makes no sense. Yeah, just I I don't like it. So I mean, is this guy like like as mentioned earlier? Like, does this guy just want to write a script, or he's just writing for such a serious audience? Which I don't think I have a serious audience. I mean, westerns and crime, I guess, but like, I don't know. Oh, I'm I mean, about to make a bit of a generalization here, but he's writing for old men, isn't he? Uh, but no, I get she, she, she has these images of like um, I don't know who's a serious writer. I, I think that you know if she's thinking about African writers, she's like, oh yeah, you should gonna be oh, like Adichie, or you know she's gonna make it onto Oprah's book club. I'm like, oh, oh, I doubt it. I'd love it if you did though. I'd be a bigger supporter. I feel like I have a better chance on making it on Reese Witherspoon's book club than Oprah's. I do like Reese Witherspoon as well. Oprah, I... Honestly, Oprah is such a cultural phenomenon. Um, And this is by no means me um, taking away from that. But Oprah, I feel like, never hugely took off in the UK. Like, she's not the cultural phenomenon here that she is in the US and in the rest of the world. Um, so sense. like, like I know of Oprah, but I'm heavily Americanized, but, and I know, and people kind of know Oprah exists, but like up until she did that interview with, um, oh shit, what's her name? Oh shit. The Duchess and the Prince, British, married. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 the, the ex-royal family, yes. Oh, what is her name? What's Megan. his name? Megan and Harry, yeah, ever since um, I feel like she's come more into the public, the British public eye because of that. But before that, like, she wasn't specifically that, like, we knew of her, but she isn't worshipped like she is in other parts of the world. See, I find that there's tiny little things, despite somebody's accent or experience mm. in the country, that will always give it away how American they are. Because I, I grew up with a bunch of people that sound like me, regardless of never having mm. lived in the States. And mm-hmm. there's a few ways to know, oh, this one actually has, this one has not. Oprah is one of them. <laughs> Who's the other one? Jeopardy. Oh, shit. Yeah, we don't have that here. Yeah. If somebody does not know this show, got it right there. It's just the accent. How does Jeopardy work? It is fantastic. I love this game show so much. So, um, oh, it's a game R. show. R. Yes, and R.I.P. Alex Trebek, he passed away very recently. Not- like this year, but it was still very sad. So I think you told me when he died. Yeah, I, I was really upset about it because this show had been on 
basically since my parents moved to the states so in like late 80s i believe it started in the 70s or late 80s sometime around there that show the show has been on forever so mm -hmm. you have three contestants that come up and a whole board of questions each question is worth worth a certain value hundred dollars down to like one thousand two hundred dollars right okay and you have all these different categories so the point is oh i have played yeah i i I know of it, but that's just because I worked with an American teacher a couple of years ago, and he made an English language game based on Jeopardy. But uh, I do get what you mean. American teachers so, would do that regardless of their 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 subject. So the aim is to collect all the money. So you want to go for the most expensive questions, right? Well, Within a specific topic, or try to finish off a category if you can. Well, like, um, a couple of hmm. years ago, there was. Okay, so every so often, the show has been going on forever. It's a daily thing. And mm. uh, most of the time, people will just be like, oh, yeah, Jeopardy's on, whatever. However, every so often, every few years, you'll have, like, phenomena occurring. So a couple of years ago, the most recent one was uh, James Holzhauer. I'm not, no, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. But he's a professional gambler, and he made it onto the show, and he was there for weeks so it's basically whoever wins each day move, moves on and they get to come back the next day. Most oh, people okay. pass three days. This guy was on for ages. Oh wow. Looking exciting because like he, he was he's so much fun to watch. So it's one of those things where like everybody knows, like, oh yeah, Jeopardy's on, like a bunch of old people watch it. Suddenly mm. everybody's tuning in, they're like, is he gonna make it another day? Is he gonna make it another day? It's oh. so fucking fun. <laughs> Do they win money? Yeah. They get so to keep he won, So he won quite a lot then? Yep. Oh, he's set for life then. Yeah, especially since the popularity that that came from. Like, he, he's been on other TV shows, and I think he's uh, still or something. Yeah. Oh, fair play. Yeah. We it, just it, completely it, went off topic. Yes, did. Um, but yes. It uh, was interesting, though. Little little insight into Americanisms. It's these tiny little things that make it all exciting. But your point, well, I forgot what it was because it wasn't actually related to the list. It was about your book and Americanisms and Oprah was in there somewhere. I don't even think I was mentioning my book. I can't even remember. Anyway, we were talking about adverbials. Uh, yes. Let's move over. So control your exclamation points. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I have nothing else to say that. I feel like yeah, that's that, that's, that, that's a given. Okay, you got one right. Yeah, honestly, outside of um, outside of speech, I don't want to say an exclamation point. Like, unless it's in speech, I never want to say an exclamation point. In fact, I hate exclamation points, and I feel like they should just be taken out of the world. I hate exclamation points, but yeah. Yeah, as a woman, I there's a certain, I'm not going to say appreciation, but a necessity for exclamation points, because if we use too many full stops, people think that we sound too severe. So we have to like brighten up our speech and put in <laughs> exclamation points to make sure that people understand that we're not mad at them, even if we might be. But Honestly, the way that I've found for solving this, because there's just something about the full stop specifically in text message form that just makes you seem very abrupt 
the the quickest way to just is just not to use full stops just nothing yeah but if you're doing a professional email when i teach how to write professional emails because that's part of my job weirdly enough so much randomness in english language teaching we um most english language books tell you not to use exclamation points at all yes officially you're taught not to use them however based off of experience when i was a well i still am a professional person um there's a very different way that we might be perceived when we use them i understand that this advice is for writing novels however on the day-to-day uh if i were to write as some of my male counterparts would just you know like commas full stops Mm. i would get called in like yeah no you can't write that way like what did i do that was so wrong they're like no it just sounds harsh like that makes no sense so when i have a regular correspondence with somebody it'll be like hi exclamation points and every so often i have to just dot them in there so people know like oh no she is friendly stupid i fucking hated doing it but there is a perception of women when they are writing professional emails jesus christ it's stupid i know i hadn't even thought of those kind of things how the are you are you women allowed to breathe no i mean Um, i also yelled at once for just writing regards instead of kind regards no jesus people are nuts um it's a fucking work email no one likes anyone well actually i like i do like my colleagues so it's fine but um yeah anyway should we go to the next one i actually have mixed feelings on this but actually i agree with it Eh, he's not been too bad use regional dialect sparingly um once you start spelling words in dialogue phonetically and loading the pages with apostrophes you won't be able to stop um so it gives the um example of patois um i i have mixed feelings on this because there are exceptions like um train spotting by Irvine welsh you know where it is obviously done quite well but there is also a lot of examples where it's not only done badly but also done to the extent that it could be considered offensive stereotypical and all of that um have you ever done um phonetically spell out words no because it pisses me off however oh no actually i tell a lie i used to do it when i was um a teenager but I stopped doing it when I was a teenager when I was writing X-Men fan fiction. Because, you know, Rogue has this very phonetic Southern accent. Gambit has this really, really, really bad Cajun um, Cajun accent. Um, and Moira McTaggart and Banshee had Banshee had a really phonetically written Irish accent, Wolf Spain, year Scottish brogue. Um, so, but I never really liked it and I've never quite enjoyed it because it always kind of annoys me, um, reading it. I just, let's just write the fucking words. I can imagine the accent myself. That being said, I don't phonetically write an accent, but, and I'm still in the middle of deciding whether or not I want to edit this or not. I'm, I'm not sure of the actual, um, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, but, um, I do tend to not phonetically write accents but if someone is a non-native english speaker i tend to write them not in broken english because i think that's stereotypical but i'm very aware of different because of my job i'm very aware of like 
common errors of what non-native English people from a specific area would speak. So I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I've been writing something like that myself, but I might take it out. I'm not sure. So I sentence structure rather than specific phonetic spelling. For me, that does make sense. Um, well, I'm not a massive fan of seeing it all the time. I feel like there is a time and place, and if you can do it properly, fantastic. I have mm. done it once in one of my um, Modern Petty Dreadful stories. I did like a a lost chapter of Dorian Gray. So I had mm. uh, like a few Cockney characters Mm. Uh, like a cabbie speaking that sort of thing where I think I, mm. I wrote out yeah I, I feel like there are specific words as well when it's okay love like l-u-v instead of like love like come on love I feel like I feel like into like I guess he's right like sparingly um but I don't know How, I also feel like in something like that what would you do it again it depends on the context where the only reason I did it in this one is that uh, visually I wanted to create a distance, uh, sorry, um, a contrast between like the very prim and posh and purple prose uh, surrounding Dorian's character versus when he's in like sort of the grimy part of the city. So mm. changing the way that people speak visually did help with that. Mm. I'm making the sound way more parsed than it is. It was fun to do, to be honest. But I suppose, yes, no, don't do it all the time. So doing it sparingly, absolutely. But I don't know if we have to avoid it altogether. I think it also depends on the context as well. Um, I think Irvine Welsh's train spotting, I must admit, I love the film. The book was too much for me. I couldn't read it because it was spelt so phonetically. Um, that would be a problem. Like, if it's all over then yeah it's going to be very hard to read and the whole point mm -hmm. is that you want people to read your book don't you but i guess it was i mean it's absolutely um it's everyone loves it but i have very um short patience it's like it's very difficult for me to like if I, if there's something i don't enjoy about a book i will stop reading that book like a book literally needs to grab me not grab me but like hold my attention if there's something specifically annoying that i don't like about a writer's style it will niggle me too much like um like phonetic out uh phonetic uh phonetics too much phonetic uh speech is too much but then for example even with um oh jl tolkien i mentioned earlier just his particular use of his isn't even purple prose it's all just fucking green there's so much description of trees Yes, exactly. And like just too much archaic language. JK Rowling, it's her overuse of the word ruddy instead of bloody. Like just always ruddy, ruddy, ruddy. And I'm like, she does repeat language Joe. a lot. Well, it's quite interesting. Like if you have a look at what she's written under the pen name of Robert Gilbraith, you wouldn't ever think of JK Rowling as having a specific writing style, but you can read even what she's written under. Is it, it is Robert Gilbraith, right? And Briath, Gilbraith, whatever. But you can tell that it's J.K. Rowling. She's got particular words and sentence structures that she uses. And honestly, I'm not surprised they figured out it was her quite quickly because no shade to her in this respect. Shade to her in other respects. But no shade to her in this respect. She's not a bad writer, but she does have quite a 
beige style. I'm gonna go with beige. I feel like it's it's what she's one of those inspiring cases again in this mm. sort of thing where anybody who has doubts about their writing books like this, you know, like oh, it is possible. No, exactly. As Not long to as you say have the imagination to back it up, like you still have to have a good thing, idea. Yeah. Yeah, like her writing wasn't like she didn't reinvent the wheel or anything. Um, she, it was her imagination, um, which obviously really captured people's, um, which really captured people's uh, hearts. And if you really want to see, make yourself feel good about can I be a writer? And but not in terms of imagination, but in terms of writing style. Fucking look at Twilight. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's. I, I know we should leave this for the outro or whatever, but a lot of writing sins are forgiven if you have a good a idea. A good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... really gives a fuck about your writing style, really. If that's the criticism that people have, it's because they're grasping at straws, that they want to criticize something, therefore they're attacking mm-hmm. a style. But this idea that everybody must write according to these rules that you were taught in school makes no sense to me because a lot of the books that we remember, first of all, the weird ones, remembering the the writing styles, but all of these different authors have such different styles. They're like, oh, well, Mm. it's okay for them. Even in this article, there's one of the bits where, oh, I think the next bit where it's... um, Oh, do you want to introduce it? Sorry? Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, sure. Um, So... They, they mention, I'm just going to join two of them together because it's basically the same thing. Uh, mm. Don't go into great detail for places, things, or descriptions of characters. But then he he makes a point of saying, unless you're Margaret Atwood, or unless you are, you know, basically, unless you're brilliant at this, don't give excessive details. It's such a weird thing to, to say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we need descriptions in book, but unless you're, like, brilliant... We don't want to read it from you. Fuck off. Yeah, it's like, don't do this unless you're this person. And, like, I've not read anything by Margaret Atwood, so I'm not going to comment. But, like, um, if we look at Anne Rice, for example, her books are laden with descriptions of, you know, all of her vampires, all of the places. And those books are absolutely fabulous. What he means is don't give detailed descriptions of places and things unless you can do it well. But even then, I don't but even necessarily agree well? with it. Well, exactly. I mean, like, Twilight has quite a lot of description of Edward from what I remember. And, you know, yeah, that book it, is incredibly popular. about him. That's the whole point of the story. Is Bella obsessed or possessed this week? Yeah, she, she's always obsessed. Yeah. And so is Edward. We can't just put it all on Bella. They were equally as... Yeah, so it's a book about obsessive characters. So, of course, they're going to describe the objects and their fixations to that extent. But is that giving great detail? That's that it hasn't been done well. But I don't know. It it really does kind of work now that you phrase it like that. Like, I always used to like be like, oh, do I need to be reminded of how attractive Edward is every five pages? But now that you phrased it like it is about two obsessed characters, you know what? I'm kind of having a bit of a second thoughts for stephanie may like okay maybe she knew what she was doing but yeah no i like description i don't there's he is right that only a certain kind of 
author can pull off i i, I really no I, I i don't know that i agree with that i think if it works for your story just do it if it works for your style like Anne rice writes a whole lot of description love her books um jl tolkien writes too much description don't like his books but many people do it's subjective yeah again it, it's my issue with the statement isn't necessarily the point of the oh put in too much description because as the one thing that we you and i differ on is that i'm um you're a lot more generous with description than i am uh yeah I'm, maybe too generous i don't know well no as maybe i'm too selective with what i decide to describe because i i want people to fo focus on certain things and not get mm. distracted by others therefore i keep their attention on whatever I consider the most relevant. I'm very controlling as an author, apparently. But <laughs> at the same time, it's the, it's the way that he phrased it, unless you're Margaret Atwood, don't do it. Fuck off. That's just him trying to suck up to Margaret Atwood. Um, it's just so discouraging. I think bits of like articles about advice for writing, they're, the people researching them are people that want to write books and they're looking for, you know, aside from, guidelines and rules mm. and all this they're looking for encouragement so could you imagine somebody or like a more impressionable tj who loves description reading something like that and then being certain like oh well i'm not margaret atwood so maybe i shouldn't be doing the thing that comes naturally to me yeah thank fuck i don't follow rules but no that's a really good point i feel like those kind of lists and those kind of books like a what's the fucking point in them anyway b like I don't know. It's it is just a case of it's just like no, you with these kind of things. I don't want these books shouldn't be do this, don't do this, don't do this. It should just be all like encouraging, like not saying like fucking buy a book of you know those fucking live laugh love except writing quotes. Inspirational, that's the word. Maybe not just buy a book of inspirational quotes, but really it does need to be primarily positive rather than negative it's I, I, again it's a, this is just one of many lists that are out there because there are others that are like oh when it comes to writing you have to be writing every day and find a select place in your house that only you have access to and you oh, can God. squirrel away there for three hours at a time it doesn't matter if your kids are starving because you have another parent that'll feed them like these sorts of things <laughs> sorry i was trying to say which like starving kids now but yeah i know a lot of them like write every day or like you know sometimes I, I i i got stuff to do life happens i can't necessarily write every day and in fact i frequently don't and that's okay and it's also, uh, again, for a lot of writers that are beginners or amateurs are doing this out of a sense of love and they're not necessarily getting paid for it. Yeah, I ain't getting paid, actually, guys. Yeah. You can't actually tell them, hey, uh, because they work. They got shit to do. No, exactly. It, it's Yes, make your dream a priority, but at the same time, you also have other priorities, so you have to balance your priorities. It just, are you going to be able to do it every day? No, it's the same way. Do you go to the gym every day? No. It would be great. I'm not one of those people, however. And oh, wait, but do you have to feed your kids every day? Yes. yes. <laughs> do you have to feed your cat every day? Yes. 
Do you have, do to, you work have your... to go into work when you are scheduled in order to make sure that you can continue feeding your kids and your cats? Yes. Yes, you do. Um, but yeah, no, that is actually quite an, yeah, I, um, I feel like this guy is coming at it from a very privileged kind of point of view. Um, but I like descriptions. Um, I wouldn't like, I do like descriptions. I do do descriptions a lot, but then at the same time, I worry that I'm not descriptive enough because I feel like a lot of my word count isn't so much description, but as arguably i would disagree but some people might argue so i'm gonna say arguably um unnecessary context but i like context i like meandering and i like pro providing like oh he thinks this this random character that's walking down the street thinks this but this is because this many years ago this happened in his life anyway back to the story um, but I, I like that kind of style. I'm not sure where I quite got it from, but it's very kind of like stream of consciousness, but I enjoy that. But I don't know, maybe it's very niche. I don't know, description is nice. I like it. I like, I like a story to tell me everything. It, there is, I suppose, a very good balanced strike where while I like an idiot's guide and it is very recent and it's maybe too recent for me to criticize it if there was one thing that i could change possibly it should be the inclusion of more description uh, that is something that is different with this book but then again in context it makes sense that i add more description mm. i didn't feel the need to when i was writing the last one and mm -hmm. even less so when i was writing modern penny dreadfuls because they were tiny tiny stories Mystery, there were short stories. So I suppose like... it just goes back to context. How do you feel about reading um heavily detailed books? Because you're you're very well read like me. More well read than me, in fact, actually. Um I don't know, actually, are we even? I don't know. You've read a lot of books. I've also read a lot of books, but you've read a wider range, whereas I am very niche with my interests. Um, I have no idea how to answer that bit, but how I feel about description. So I'm fucked. I don't know, because I feel like I don't really skip things. The only things I skip are the lip syncs in RuPaul's Drag Race, like, and that's on TV shows. But generally, like, in terms of books, I don't skip things. And if I'm skipping things, why am I reading the book? Unless I've, like, read it before and I'm rereading it, which does happen a lot. Um, I don't skip things in books, like, because otherwise, what's the point in reading it? Like, I'll just stop reading it. Is, do people do that? Is that a thing? I, I, I understand what they mean. There is, there's sometimes, like, if you see a block of text that, you know, oh, this is literally just description of the shit that's on the table, your eyes may glaze over it. However, mm. um, your subconscious brain is still processing it because, you know, that is how our mm. brains work but actively reading it, we are not doing that. Mm. However, what people might skip would vary from person to person. I feel like that just ties into that last thing of unnecessary description, so overly detailed stuff. If you are spending that much time talking about a fucking teacup, yes, maybe cut that out, unless it is absolutely relevant to understand this character's state of mind. But mm. how crazy are they? that we need to focus on a teacup that you couldn't express it in any other words. I really but want to write a story time, about a person obsessed with teacups now. Me. <laughs> I'm obsessed with teacups. Really? 
Yeah, I have a growing collection. I, I got it for my mom because my mom has an impressive collection of teacups. And my oh. favorite way to piss her off is um, using them because she's one of those people that has like this beautiful collection of china that just mm. gathers dust. But every time I'm at her house, I will use it because I'm alive and pretty things are meant to be used slash seen slash touched. I totally agree with you on that. Um people are weird with china um yeah fair enough okay i'm gonna write a story about anna obsessed with teacups. And, and her teacups yeah it's um uh, didn't i show you that one of the birthday presents i got was a new teacup and a little teapot that says witch's brew yes you did that's so cute oh i love it yeah I, I love dainty little cups they, they just make me feel so so happy and special you are such a um contradiction just within yourself like not contradiction <laughs> just that i like spooky things but i really like these cute little dainty things and i love this dark stuff but i like really really nice cute nice things i love it you're such a well-rounded character <laughs> i i don't believe that anybody is just one thing no, this is totally true. And actually, writing advice, let's give some of our own. Speaking of that, remember that your characters are not just one thing. Like, if I can give that advice to anyone, your characters are fully formed human beings, just like real people. And do you just like Red? Is that your defining character trait? Or like, you know, are there other things? Maybe you like blue a little bit. Maybe you hate purple. Maybe you don't like yellow because you looked at the sun for too long as a child. But, like, think of your characters, man. Yeah. Like, if you have a chosen one, they have to be more than just the chosen one. Do they want mm. to be that? Why not? It, I mean, why do they? If they don't want to be, why not? Uh, th there's more to them than just the one thing. Excellent. And also, if you do have a chosen one, can we for once have a one that's like happy about being the chosen one? Because like, you know, we've had Buffy, we've had Harry Potter, we've had Frodo, we've had all of these chosen ones. Why are all these chosen ones white? Um, we won't. We that's a that that that's a conversation for another time. But um, it's possible I'm just not consuming the correct media actually. Well, the problem is the media is out there, but um, there's very little visibility on it. So somebody has mm -hmm. to go looking for it specifically. Yeah, when okay, fair enough. It gets very annoying when all of these same stories are shoved down your throat. Meanwhile, something that you might actually want to see is hidden in the fucking back. Yeah. Rosa Parks didn't put up with this shit for nothing, but... Again, that's a conversation for another day. That's actually a conversation, yeah, for another episode. We could have an episode out of that. Um, but yeah, can we have a chosen one that's like happy to be the chosen one? I'm sick of the reluctant chosen one. Um, give me a fucking asshole. Or no, don't give me an asshole. But give me someone that's like wants to be the chosen one. Someone that's like, yes, this is me. I am chosen. Without like having, oh, I'm chosen. Woe is me. Blah, 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 blah. Um, another bit of writing advice based off of a conversation I was having with um, a friend of mine who was a poet. Um, don't take criticism from somebody that you wouldn't really care for their compliments. I didn't phrase that properly, but basically, if you don't really care 
to get advice from them or get compliments from them or whatever, don't take their criticisms to heart because they're not your audience. You are allowed to have weird thoughts, like out there ideas. The fact that one person doesn't understand it should be discouraging to you. That's just not your person. That's not your audience. I like that advice, actually. Yeah, if you feel like they're not your audience, don't take criticism from them. And if they ain't paying your bills, honey, you ain't pay them no mind. It's so weird, though, that people like that feel the need to comment the loudest. It's like, hey, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but I'm not writing for you. Yeah, you're not my demographic. Yeah, no, I feel like that's really, really good advice, actually. Um, Especially, you know, for example, if you're writing fantasy, um, like high fantasy, you aren't going to come to ask me for advice because I'll just be there like, smiling at you but like i don't like it um but you know maybe go for someone who's likely to read your book who's likely to be your audience i say that though i I wouldn't just say i didn't like it i would give you valid criticism but i just meant like that as an example however neither of us write high fantasy so it's fine no i I don't know it's such a weird thing because when it comes to trying to pick somebody to review your book or give you feedback as a beta reader or an arc reader or whatever you want people that work in that genre, but at the same time, you you do want different opinions because you can learn from constructive criticism. But what I mean is somebody who's criticizing simply for the sake of criticizing just because they personally don't like it. This I got you. No, I totally get you, actually. Um, advice is a fickle thing, and especially when you're choosing someone to to read your novel, you need to think of a variety of different people. A, the people that are into your niche. B, maybe one or two people who are not in your niche, and then preferably a couple that are kind of around your niche. So then at least you get a good range. I don't know. It is difficult. It it is. Uh, Again, we're just spouting our own opinions. We don't actually know anything. Mm. You guys who are, like, we very much appreciate accompanying us on this journey. We appreciate you being here but you're listening to a couple of writers that are figuring it out as they go, in case you haven't realized it. If you thought that we are professionals, seasoned veterans in the whole publishing industry, you're sorely fucking mistaken. No, we're just two writers with big dreams and even bigger procrastination issues. Shit, did we just include the intro in the middle of the episode? Oh, there's a name for that. Yeah, there's a... There's a word for that. Uh, I can't remember what the trope is called. Um, But, yeah. No. Advice is interesting because at the end of the day, that's all it is. Just suggestions. You can do with it what you want. It's your book. No, exactly. If you want to get it published, that's a different story. You might have to... What's the word? You might have to... uh... Compromise. Yes, that's the word that I was looking for. You might have to compromise on your vision. But while you're writing it, yeah, do whatever the hell you want. And then even then, once it's finished, the compromises hopefully aren't ever going to be that particularly big. Unless it's mine where I'm going to have to make it really short. But we won't speak about that yet. Oh, we won't speak, about that, speak about that because we're getting to that point. Oh, of course. Crazy. Yeah. So, Anna... Would you like to tell us your word count? Or oh, actually, no, should, should I rename it for the while that you are computerless? Call it your chapter count? 
Yes, my chapter count. So um, I am currently at 23 finished chapters. Fuck me, that's excellent. So you really have been busy. I have. This is also just to put in context, this is 23 out of 55. God, you're almost halfway. Holy shit, yeah, yes, I am almost halfway, yeah. That is absolutely nothing to turn up your nose at. That's absolutely amazing. Well done. Yeah, it's just don't ask me how many words there are because as I've shown you, uh, they're just on in pages in front of me on my desk. Nothing is, well, parts of it are typed. Some of it is not. There's new notes and additions everywhere. So there's no accurate word count for now. Well, evidently it works for you though, because Jesus Christ, that's like what in the last, is it two or three weeks, I'm assuming? Three weeks, yeah. Oh yeah, because I remember you mentioned it, but wouldn't tell me what you'd done um, last time we re well last time we re-recorded. And I remember, I remember knowing that you'd done something drastic, but you wouldn't actually tell me exactly what it was. Yeah, but now this I know. Is it. Surprise! Well, I can't be angry at you because you kind of made up for it, and yeah, there is that. Uh, so congratulations, well done. I sound like a teacher now. That was my teacher voice. Congratulations. Well done, Anna. Well done. But I meant it less um, patronizingly. How, how about you? What are we at now? Oh, uh, according to uh, the last episode, I believe we were on like 129,000. Um, in terms of the Hotel California, um, it is probably about the same. I don't think I've touched it. I was really... I'm not sure if busy was the right word. I was just really something over like the last three, two weeks since we last recorded. We recorded two weeks ago. Um, I did write this weekend. Unfortunately, it was not. Uh, it was not the Hotel California. Um, I started writing something else. So I'm currently three novel. I'm currently writing three novels at the moment. So Hotel California is, I believe, like about 150. 129, 130,000 words. The second one that I started writing is about 18,000 words, but I haven't touched that one in a while, and I'm not going to touch it. Oh, I do like that one, though. Oh, I'd forgotten about it. I do need to get back into that one. CJ! No, I know. Um, No, this one just happened because I was thinking specifically about the area that I was from, um, specifically the area, area where I grew up, and I was like, no one ever writes about insert this area here and i was like there's no story set here and then i'm really really into like stephen king and it and just you know kind of like not just stephen king and it but you know those kind of like stories set in like suburbia but all those stories in suburbia are either set in america or in the uk they're very much just like gritty boring um or they're either grit, they're either very boring, heartwarming stories about British suburbia, you know, very kind of working class, or very, you know, kind of, you know, American stories, you know, that are actually quite exciting, US stories. And I was like, I want to tell like a horror, but a kid's story, but set in, you know, like lower middle class Britain. And the area where I grew up is basically that. And I just, 
why did the US get all the weird kind of like fun horror kind of like 80s kind of style stories so I started writing something it doesn't have an official title yet but it's very much um different I guess to what I usually write it's kind of inspired by my childhood not quite based on my childhood I've got fictional characters but heavily inspired by things and people not people but yeah okay inspired by things people i experienced as a child it's literally set where i was raised and um it involves um a game that my sister and um my sister used to play with me um about like this like evil guy that used that would come that um was like um, like a serial killer, but she used to make up murder mysteries for me to solve as a child. And Ooh. it's just kind of, it's very kind of, yeah, she was really, well, she was really cool. She is really cool. And it's just very much like that kind of story. And I was like, I fucking build on that. And anyway, I started writing it this weekend. I was really, really obsessed. I don't know, really know why. I think it was just possessed even. I think it was just because I was getting really nostalgic for my childhood and I get like that sometimes, you know, where you just suddenly get like really, really vivid memories. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to lean into it. So I did start a write. So I did start it. Fuck, you would not think I was an English teacher. So I did start writing it. It is, I actually do have a word count for it. It's not huge at the moment, but I like it. It's written in the third person, which is also fun. Um, it is about 2,688 words. So not quite possessed as in Anna possessed, but a little bit possessed considering, you know, it's been a really difficult month in terms of writing. So it's not really what I want to get finished, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, I understand that I, I started off by saying that setting these insane challenges isn't good for me. However, I'm going to set you one in that the next time that we, uh, you update the word count, could it actually be for the Hotel California? Yes. Um I yes, it will. I'm gonna try and yes. No buts, no ifs, just yes. Cool. In that case, here's where well, we sign Yeah, so I guess until next week, everyone, you should stay effervescent. Effervescent. am I even pronouncing that right? Effervescent? Effervescent, yes. Stay effervescent, guys. Bye.